You're listening to the Thoroughly Good Classical Music Podcast, a conversation between audience member and artist designed to demystify the classical music and opera experience. If you enjoy the Thoroughly Good Classical Music Podcast, and really, who wouldn't, please consider supporting it for as little as $2 a month. Visit patreon.com forward slash thoroughly good to pledge your support. What did I have for breakfast today? I think I had porridge today. It's a while ago, I can't remember. When when was breakfast? Breakfast would have been about seven o'clock, quarter to seven this morning. Are you, are you a London chap? I don't know whether you are a London yes. chap. Yes. Do you not? I, do you remember? I, I have a, there's a flat in this building. Is there really? There is. <laughs> so I am very much. I didn't realise that. No, I oh. live under the stage when I'm in London. Oh, you, you yeah. make it. Make it sound as though you're yeah. some sort of mouse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Oh, I had forgotten all about that. Yeah, um, it's a while now. Uh, right, OK. So I'll Richard Heeson, director, St John Smith Square, a church, a concert venue at the heart of the Westminster community in London and the location for one of a handful of pilot events in late July. Opportunities to see how a socially distanced audience can be accommodated at a live performance venue. Spoiler alert. I will eventually find somebody who will, who will say yes, I'm sure. But was there a point where you were thinking, I, I don't know how this is going to work? Because there were times, uh, for me as an audience member, there were times when I thought, I, don't, I just can't see how it can possibly work. Well, it doesn't work, I would say. Um, it doesn't work. But this is uh, a progression forward towards a position where it will work. We've got 23 seats out tonight in a hall of 760 normally. Uh, There's less than 4% capacity in here. Clearly, that doesn't work under anybody's anybody's, uh, outlook. But we have a live concert with an audience happening, and that's incredible. If in a month's time, two months' time, we have double the seats, and if a couple of months later we have twice as many more, we can just show you that this can be done, then we get back to a position where it can work. 140-odd days ago, I attended a concert at the Barbican. I heard a reasonably OK performance of the Brook Violin Concerto with the London Symphony Orchestra. The audience in attendance was reasonably appreciative. My pre-agreed, plus one, had suggested we go to a concert. I'd arranged the freebie ticket. It was a straightforward transaction. We chatted over drinks beforehand. I had customary red wine. My guest had a cocktail, coffee beans floating on the top. Partway through our conversation, judgment was made, not by me, I hasten to add, about classical music and its problem, in the form of pride, articulated about not having ever been present at a prom concert. That conversation cut deep. I felt, as bizarre as this may seem, like I was being judged. The boring, stuffy image that classical music suffers from, and is often accused of, a description of its stereotypical audience, I might add, was, from one perspective at least, being projected onto me. I was being made to feel, or allowing myself to feel, depending on how you look at it, as though people like me are the problem with classical music itself. 
For 140 days, those comments have hung around like a bad smell, one gleefully looked on with pride by the person who uttered them as evidence of my failing, my ignorance and my conservatism. I am left to believe that I am, like classical music itself, the actual problem with the art form. Stepping back into St John Smith Square Auditorium last week, albeit at 4% capacity, speaking to the people who run it and perform in it, I found myself excited, relieved, hopeful and heartbroken. There are people around who think that those who are working hard to get back to a place where recent music graduates, talented individuals whose vocal talents can transport, move or even just centre so that they can perform to appreciative audiences. There are others I know who look down their nose at such endeavours and dismiss the effort and the content. I spent 140 days at war with conflicting views which have, in isolation, seemed more aggressive, intimidating and destructive than any blog post or op-ed on the state of classical music I've read before now. Visiting St John Smith Square in London last week then was like seeing an old friend in the recovery room. Post-op they're a bit drowsy and there's a hell of a lot of physio they need to get through but there was, despite my projections and my fears, hope nonetheless. The St John Smith Square pilot events were originally intended to be in front of a socially distanced audience throughout. As it turned out, only the first one was Jesualda Six, whose director Owen Park features in the first half of this 30-minute podcast. That concert was performed in front of an audience. See that concert on YouTube from Wednesday the 5th of August. Search for St John Smith Square on YouTube. A few days after its recording, Boris Johnson announced that the easing of lockdown restrictions would be paused for at least a fortnight. At the time of publishing this podcast, we can still go to the pub and we can still fly to another country. But attending a concert is, by all accounts, a perilously dangerous affair in comparison. Still, doesn't the sound of an audience sound sweet? Let's start again. Can you tell yeah. me who you are and why you're here and yes. what you do and blah de blah blah blah. So my name's Owen Park. I direct the Jesuado Six, and we're here at St John's Square giving the first concert with an audience uh, for almost 140 days. What is it like to be on a stage again? Really nice uh, performing. I mean, so we've been rehearsing. We can see the chairs out. It's tantalising because we know people are going to actually sit on them for a change. Um, we've been doing quite a few projects ourselves outside of, uh, you know, the sort of usual audience thing with a concert uh, with cameras. And we're very used to that sort of digital setup now. But having people there to interact with while we're performing will be uh, very special again. Uh, this, is the, this is the third time that I've been to a rehearsal space or a recording space because that's essentially what this is this is a yeah this is a recording session with cameras with an invited audience um 
it, it feels to me like it's a, it's a matter of sort of renegotiating the space, adjust it, constantly adjusting to what needs to be done. Yeah. I'm wondering whether you are further along that journey than I am. Are you, are you sort of more accustomed to it now? Uh, yeah, we're getting used to it. Um, not all venues are open. Um, we've had, I think, 50 concerts cancelled this year. So we're uh, just grateful to those promoters and venues that are willing to take the leap uh, and allow us to perform uh, and facilitate that by offering their space and making it available and making it safe as well. I mean, the guidelines have changed quite a lot, even in the last month, and so venues are having to adapt quite quickly and think on their feet. Um, but it's been you know, to have media partners, you know, Radio 3 have been very proactive in getting musicians involved with their programmes. Um, so I think it's, um, it's just everyone trying to sort of help each other out a bit more, which is kind of hopefully one of the good things that will come out of all this. I get the impression as an audience member, I see myself only as an audience member, but mm. um, I get the impression that this this will take slightly longer to explain but I work in part of an industry where there was a certain, in the private sector essentially where there was a certain amount of foresight about mm. what was coming down, yeah. The, yeah. down the track and yeah. so adjustments yeah. were made accordingly okay. but yeah. in other sectors my assumption is, is that people had to react tactically to what happened yeah. to the news that broke is that, what, is that what your experience has been? Well it's a mixture, we knew about things being cancelled as early as well, I suppose January um, uh, especially in uh, sort of Asia USA and that sort of thing, we, we were aware that things were um, not going to happen in a few months' time. Uh, and the UK was one of the f sort of last places to shut things down. Um, so we actually had a concert, albeit with a reduced number of people attending, on the 14th of March. And that felt quite late. And we wouldn't have gone ahead with it had we not had a big enough venue and enough... Because uh, there, there were no social distancing guidelines by that point. No. We were sort of you know, very much thinking on our feet and trying to work out, you know, hand gel and all this other kind of stuff. But we didn't know enough about the virus. We didn't know enough about transmission uh, and how that would affect things. Um, so we sort of went along with it. And that, that was very much the last thing we did. And then a few, uh, maybe a week later, the sort of general lockdown was announced. And so we, we haven't done anything in public since then. But what is the, I suppose what I'm, what I'm driving at in an extremely long-winded way is... What has been the motivation for getting something like this underway? Is it, is it for the love of music? Is it to test the health and safety guidelines? I do see what you mean. I think that this, this particular concert has a number of functions. So it's before the 1st of August when you are allowed to perform indoors with an audience, um, albeit with reduced numbers. So it's a test run, essentially. Um, we were part of this series before that was announced, so this is this has kind of happened in the last week. Um, we're doing this for all sorts of reasons. One, we were young artists here a few years ago, so St Johnson's Square has very much been part of our journey. Um, the group's only been going for six years, so you know it was really those formative years when we were here running composition competitions, putting on concerts. It's fantastic. Um, aside from anything else, these guys, the, our singers, they, they earn their living through singing. So if they're not singing then they are not earning and they can't pay their rent. And the, the rent has not reduced in London. You know, it's, it, it may stay the same for a little while, but it still costs a lot of money to live here. The reason why people live here is because there's an abundance of work, usually. So when everything goes, you, you kind of have to think, OK, well, I can tighten these areas of my budget, but ultimately we need to be working. Um, and 
what we've found is we've had a lot more time to rehearse, so we've loved doing that, getting inside the music a little bit more than we could otherwise. This programme we're doing today is completely new to us. So if Richard had said a month ago, can you come and perform this new programme, can you just invent something and, you know, on cannons and fugues, I think we would have said, well, look, I'm not really sure we can do that because how are we going to fit it in with all the existing stuff? What we've managed to do is trawl through the archives um, and kind of find all this new, exciting, new music to us uh, and then rehearse it thoroughly and then finally bring it to a, to a small audience. Was there a point during the period in time, I and mean, this seems quite fatalistic and catastrophic, but I'm going to pose it, was there a point during this period of time when you thought, I don't think it's going to return? No, uh, I didn't think that. I, other people have thought that, and I've been talking to other people who think that, and I think that... Um, it's difficult to see a way forward for everyone. I think we are fortunate because we're a small outfit. Um, we don't have office costs. We're not salaried, so it's very much a freelance you know, basis. The amount of work we do depends on uh, well, the amount of money we can bring in depends on the amount of work we have and that sort of thing. Um, so it's, it's a more of a sort of ad hoc thing. But we're making this you know, sort of significant part of our, of our income now. Um, and... I think that being being positive has been kind of one of the hardest things throughout this time because so many other institutions have just had to say, no, we can't have you, the concert's off, um, the major tour that you were going to undertake is off. Um, and that sets us back, not just in terms of the, you know, the concerts and that sort of thing, but also in terms of the music that we can learn, because if we're not learning new music for programmes, then we have to push all of that back, and the whole thing just grinds slowly to a halt. Um, but we, no, we do appreciate that we're some of the first musicians back to this, um, so it's, we feel quite privileged to do that. I run uh, an amateur choir up in Cambridge, and they are all desperate to get back to singing. And that's a whole other thing. It's not mm, just the professionals. Mm. It's also, you know, those two million people who week in, week out turn up to choral society rehearsals and love singing and have not been able to do it. And it's had a big impact. Um, so that's, that needs to happen as soon as possible. Uh, there's one other thing I really do want to ask you, which is when I see the auditorium, mm. uh, it breaks my heart. Yeah, well, it, you, And I don't know whether that's just me being a bit of a sap. What do you see when you see the end auditorium as it is at the moment? I, I see hope when I look at the auditorium at the moment because I know this isn't permanent. This is the first steps. Um, we have not done concerts here to this small an audience, but we've certainly done concerts when it's not been full. <laughs> so, so, so we'll be performing to a full house tonight, which has its upsides. And I think that we need to just get a sense of what's possible you know, um, and representatives from DCMS are coming. They'll look at this and go, "Okay, well, this, it, it worked, and we need to make sure that it works." You know, and I, Richard and his team have been absolutely doing that. But as performers, we need to abide by everything that we need to abide by to make sure that this is squeaky clean, so that they can double the audience next time, and then they can introduce them up to the galleries, and then we can have a hundred people, and then two. You know, so I think this is that's very much that's how it is. That's that's how you. I mean, when you well, tell that's how me I that, see it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but that when you tell me that, I. Th- I have uh, I can I sense a, I have a sense of excitement. Good. Which is not what I felt when I came here. I sort of okay. came here and thought, 
It's going to be years. Uh, and I know that's ridiculous. I know it's a ridiculous no, thing. It, no, but... it's not ridiculous because it could be years for some people because if you think of the major orchestras and that mm, kind of mm. thing, it, it's harder. The more people that you're supporting, the worse it's been. Uh, and so, yeah, again, we, we, we feel lucky that we've got this small outfit and we can be versatile and nimble and kind of see our way through it. And we'll do what we can to kind of put these you know, little road markers on the way to getting back to it. But it's what, going to be a little while, isn't it? What was that sense of hope that you said that you retained mm. during this period? Was that sense of hope uh, rooted in a realisation quite early on that being a small group of performers, you'd probably be first out of the traps? Well, I think we had the drive to, to sort of get out there and do stuff. Um, I mean, maybe not in April. April was a bit bleak, just in the sense that nothing was happening. Everything was cancelled, and there was no way that we would be doing anything anytime soon. And then May kind of, you know, things started going again. June was again a bit quieter. And now July, we've got more. It's, it's just up and down. It comes and goes. Right. Uh, and we've been really active in sort of talking to each other all the way through, having meetings, like just playing games um, you know, on, on our phones and stuff, and just, just trying to keep a sort of social aspect to it, so that when we came back, we knew that we were ex excited about this new repertoire that we could learn. What's it? I mean, I was going to. I was going to start with what's it like to be back. But as soon as I arrived here, you said that you've been here for 136 days. Well, indeed. Um, so I have been working throughout lockdown and been been keeping things going and so on. Um, what is great though is now to have music back and now to have people back uh, with us as we've been planning towards this time. I can't help but ask this, and I, I have this hunch that you'll probably want to avoid it in some skillful way, but I'm going to ask anyway, uh, which is, what has it been like for you as someone who is responsible for a venue this period? Well, incredibly challenging. I'm not going to avoid that in any sense, I don't think. I mean, uh, it's nearly 140 days since we last had a concert, um, and with this venue in particular 
80% of our revenue comes from putting on events in some way. So overnight, we lost that side of, our, of, of the revenue, the income that supports the business. That is incredibly difficult. But allied to that, simply losing the community overnight, losing the creative content of what you do, losing the people you work with, losing the audiences who come to, losing the artists. Of course, one keeps in touch with people, but it's, it's such a strange alien concept. Uh, as human beings, we naturally uh, want to be with each other and to, mm. to explore things together and to try things. And for that to go in that way um, was, was just unimaginable, really. I have an image of you, I mean, you said before we started that there is a flat here. I had forgotten all, of, all, of, all about the fact that there is a flat here. What has it been like to stay here? I mean, I sort of, I feel for you, it's a big place. You're here on your own. Well, I'm not here on my own. I'm here with my family, so right. my wife and my two small children. So we actually were incredibly privileged because this wonderful concert hall um, became a scooting rink for our two-year-old, now <laughs> six-year-old. And uh, the crypt is a, is a wonderful playground. And, you know, but... And that's wonderful for a short amount of time, but that's not what one wants to wants to do in a building like this for a, for a long time. Do you feel as though your relationship over that period of time, I may be projecting far too much and revealing far too much about <laughs> me, but I wonder whether your relationship with the building has changed as a result of this, this period of time. Uh, to be honest, probably not, because I already had a very close relationship with the building. Um, I suppose... I suppose it... It is probably the longest period of time that I have literally not left Smith Square, uh, not left the the, the, uh, the immediate environs of this building. Uh, but I tend to throw myself into things pretty fully anyway. So <laughs> okay, I'm not to worry I'm then. Here. That's what you're saying. No, I wouldn't worry. Don't worry too much, John. He's fine. Um, tell me what today has involved. What what has been involved in in leading up to today? Well, uh, we were very keen to try and find a way in which we could start to bring music back in some way and I suppose it was uh, three months ago uh, probably quite quite early on in lockdown that we started to think how we might come out of lockdown um, and so the planning's been the planning's been two to three months uh, to, to get this together uh, we've had to clearly consider what we can organize that's safe what we need, what guidelines we need to adhere to, the the, the 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 small print that you need to do. Then you need to think about well, what makes sense musically, artistically to do, uh, because there could be a whole range of things that one could one could put together. Then, how are we going to do that with very limited resources? Um, let's find out, you know, what, what what we can what we can make work. Uh, and then then start to put all those bits together. I mean, it's very much the same as any concert planning, but the unique thing is you're doing it uh, in isolation. You're doing it from from a position where uh, you don't have the colleagues around you in the same way. You don't have the, the running uh, forward nature of an ongoing programme. You've got to sort of... It's not starting from scratch, but it's, 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 it's uh, starting from... From a, from a treading water position, at least. Was there a point where, I mean, I will eventually, I'll find somebody who will, who will say yes, I'm sure, but was there a point where you were thinking, I, I don't know how this is going to work? 
because there were times, uh, for me as an audience member, there were times when I thought, I, don't, I just can't see how it can possibly work. Well, it doesn't work, I would say. Um, it doesn't work, but this is uh, a progression forward towards a position where it will work. We've got 23 seats out tonight in a hall of 760 normally. Uh, yeah, there's less than 4% capacity in here. Clearly, that doesn't work under anybody's, under anybody's uh, outlook. But we have a live concert with an audience happening, and that's incredible. If in a month's time, two months' time, we have double the seats, and if a couple of months later we have twice as many more, we can just show that this can be done, then we get back to a position where it can work. And is that, uh, now you sort of, you can tell, I sort of want to work in arts admin, but uh, it's best that I don't, which is why I'm asking the questions that I am. But is that basically how it's working in the arts world, that the arts world is having to demonstrate to, to the powers that be that this can, this is what we can do at this stage, this is what we can do next, so that you can get more audience in? Are you having to take, is the arts world having to take the lead? Uh, to an extent, I think we're having to take the lead... Uh, uh, to prove to ourselves that we can do it. We know to ourselves that we can do it. Um, but just to, to show then, as, as, you, as you inferred, to, the, to the, the powers that be, that this is a safe, safe activity. Of course, um, I, think, I think that's very fair to say. Uh, what, have you, uh, what have you got planned? What's next? What's next after this event? Well, there are three more concerts in this series uh, over the next fortnight. Um, so we have uh, uh, the Revolutionary Drawing Room playing Beethoven on Friday, and then an organ concert with David Titterington on Monday next week, and then a piano concert with Julian Jacobson next Thursday, and that makes this series complete. We have a number of uh, orchestras coming in over the next six weeks, eight weeks, doing rehearsals and recordings for projects, uh, which is very exciting. We're delighted to be welcoming th those colleagues back. And we have concerts starting again with uh, socially distanced audiences from the start of September. Um, quite a number in the diary already, and people are getting the confidence to book more. And we obviously hope this will be a snowball effect, and as as more people get the confidence to put events on, people see that it is safe to return to concerts, then more people will, 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 will come to these and will do things. Uh, what do you see when you see the auditorium as it is at the moment? I, I, mean, I said to Owen earlier on that yeah. I look at it and uh, I'm, I'm a highly emotional being, clearly, mm -hmm. because when I look at it, I, I, I uh, find it heartbreaking. But maybe that's just me. I, certainly, I mean, for, for me, it's, it's strange. There's no doubt denying it's, it's a peculiar look. Uh, but I'm delighted to be welcoming an audience back into the building uh, after 136 days. It's, it's, I sat here on the night of closure on the 16th of March when the Prime Minister made the announcement. We had a, a piano concert that night and uh, the pianist was actually using my office as a dressing room because the dressing rooms were being refurbished. And I'd, come, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd gone into the, into the main office to phone the people who were due to come the following day um, and say, look, it's off, there's nothing happening. Get, get the message out, get the word out. So I was sitting sort of head in my hands in my office um, when the pianist who had been playing up here um, came in to, to get changed at the end. I said, look, I don't know when we're going to 
see you again. I don't know when you're going to be when you're going to be playing again. So to now have moved through that that uh, that period to the other side to when we've got the first glimmers of of uh, hope of people coming back is is wonderful. Is there anything else that you'd like to tell me that I haven't asked you? Don't think so. I see. I have to. I, I'll add this, but I won't. I won't use it in video. But it seems incredible to me that there was a point in time when we were both going to be in Madrid. I know. <laughs> well, the end of March. I yeah. mean, that just seems like a world away and, and utterly bizarre. Well, it is bizarre. I mean, I travelled. Not that we were going to go, but but just that. Well, we were going to. Yeah, go. But we were going to go. We, were, we and indeed, I was talking to those people only very recently because we're planning it for next year. So. But I'd say I was, I was in um, Belgium on the 5th of March. That was my last international trip. And I was there to do an assessment of a festival that's, that's uh, in Bruges um, that's been going for 50 years or so. And so it was a 10 year, they do it every 10 years, they assess the festival, they invite people to come and look at it. So we were there for two days talking about all kinds of things they could do with the festival and what they ought to do. And the one thing we didn't do was consider that it might not happen this year. And, and it's, it's next week when it should happen. Of course, it's not happening. Yeah. It's been all right. But that's astonishing. On the 5th of March, we didn't foresee no. that an event in August wouldn't happen. That no, and I, rem- mentioned. and I remember thinking the week before we were supposed to go, yeah. well, we might be able to go. Yeah. <laughs> we might, we might yeah. be able to go and come back, and it won't be a problem. I know, I know. Uh, so it moved fast. That's, it moved that's, fast. Yeah. that's probably one that shows. Uh, thank you very much indeed. This has all been great. Uh, thank you for coming. Uh, it's terribly exciting to be here. You've been listening to the Thoroughly Good Classical Music Podcast. If you enjoy it, please consider supporting it for as little as $2 a month. Visit patreon.com forward slash thoroughly good to pledge your support.